3: There's there's nothing more relaxing than disco. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port.
2: hello how are you i'm good how are you got the anxiety today you know it's just like inside you like poison yeah i don't know what it is but my body feels like it's been poisoned how do you manage that when you get it
1: um you just get on with it pretend it's not there
2: <laughs> i know i was yeah. hoping that i always hope somebody's gonna have the magical technique for getting rid of no, it no, no funny that isn't it no. um i i wonder if it, i've got I had a a lot of anxiety about something that happened at the weekend, and now it's happened, and I wonder if it's just sort of working its way out of my system. And the thing was, my wife had a birthday party.
1: Ah, yes.
2: Uh, It's a, a significant birthday, one with a zero on the end, and there's no way for me to wiggle out of that.
1: Absolutely none. No,
2: There there are almost no social occasions that you can't wiggle out of. Mm -mm. I am so adept at it.
1: There's always some way, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And
2: and to the extent that I've become bold enough, and I've said this before on the podcast, but I have become bold enough to say to people, if they've got a birthday party, say, I love you very much, but I'm not going to come to your birthday party. Mm -hmm. I have a miserable time. I have anxiety for weeks Uh, Beforehand, like panicking about it. I don't really. I'm not one of these people who it's like, oh, but when you get there, you have a good time. I don't have a good time. So I don't want want to come. I hope you understand that. It was not going to make your party any worse, me not being there, and I'll take you out for a nice dinner or something. I I just, I'm really straight with people. Mm -hmm. But you can't do that when it's your own
1: wife's. To be honest, did you try? (laughs) Did you try, and how did it go? I
2: thought about doing some kind of Munchausen by proxy thing on our son and making him ill. So. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, one of the things she asked me to do in advance was the the music for the party, mm. which I do quite like doing. Mm. Um, I, there is an anxiety that goes with it because if there's, you know, especially if it's a party where people are going to dance there is no worse feeling than seeing a dance floor empty.
1: Oh, terrible, yeah. yeah.
2: But but that being said, I quite like the sense of purpose. It gives me somewhere to go behind the DJ decks, meaning I don't need to talk to people. Um, but she gave me a a, uh, a big caveat. She said, you, you're not allowed to play the sort of music you you would want to dance to or have a... Not that I dance, but Mm-mm. not the sort of music you would want at a party like the Smiths.
1: The sort of music that you know. Yeah. <laughs> Wanting to play music that you don't know.
0: Exactly, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah,
2: so... So you know when when I have dJ at things it's usually indie discos, mm. and my wife, by her own admission, has terrible taste in music. <laughs> yeah. like she likes some really good stuff, but she likes a lot of what I would consider to be terrible, the most sort of throwaway type of banal pop music. Now, I like good pop music, but some of the stuff she likes is beyond the pale. Um, And I just don't know about that stuff. When you're growing up, you know about it. -hmm. So take the Birdie song or Agadoo, which is what they used to play at parties when we we were young. I just knew about them because everyone knew about it. It was on top of the pops, (laughs) it was on the radio. It was at the parties. Yeah, it was at the parties. Whereas there there was a point in my life, probably about the same time I started working at Virgin Radio, which only really played guitar music, Mm. that I stopped being exposed to pop music. And, and don't really know anything after that point, apart from the odd thing I've seen on something like X Factor.
1: Yeah, X Factor, and some occasionally he does it on and disc, throws up right, something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: so I was just in, in this, this sort of panic about it. And I had to go on Twitter and ask people. And people were lovely and sent me Spotify playlists and oh, Apple Music playlists. That's good. And I was able to, to put this place together. But I said to Sarah, this, because I am so good at putting together a good playlist of music that I, I know about. Mm. Um, some quality music I said to her This is like Having Picasso At your party And ask him to do Caricatures of people <laughs> I mean, This is what You basically asked for here But that didn't seem to no. Persuade her to, to let me play the Smith
1: <laughs> How long did it take you To do it?
2: Uh, three nights
1: it took you three nights Okay I can tell you That the only song I can remember hearing Was that one about The milkshake Bringing the boys to the yard <laughs> Three nights. Three nights of work. That's all I, I, I took know. from it. I'm so sorry. I know, I know.
2: Um, and and sort of like the worst thing about it was is I, I constantly felt the need to say, go around saying to people, both simultaneously taking credit for making the playlist mm. and going behind the DJ decks to avoid talking to people, mm. even though I'd pre-mixed it all already. And I was just pretending <laughs> right. to change the song. Oh, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so so I, I simultaneously felt the need to take the credit and tell people, oh, yes, I mean, Sarah, I did it special for Sarah, you oh, know, according to her taste of music, distancing myself yes, from it yes. just in case anybody thought it was songs I would have chosen. Right, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> you know, you. it yeah. takes takes some doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about the party that people have commented on, mm. and this was another thing that was left up to me.
1: Okay, I think I know what you're going to say. Keep going. Right,
2: so... so, so <laughs> It was in a bar yeah. that didn't have a kitchen. Right. Sarah said we should we both hate it if you go to a party and there's no food. Yeah. So Sarah said can you can you arrange some pizza mm. to be delivered? So I d- happily took that job in hand. Yeah, yeah. There is a pizza place close to us which is quite hip and trendy. Mm. We've been using it for years. Had some problems with them in the past when they were quite new. They had some teething problems but you know they've to the extent that i wrote a complaint email once oh that one Um, uh but but they um you know they've it's really good pizza and they've got their act together now it's just because they're a new business um anyway that's all all by the by so she says can you can you kind of order pizza so i get in touch with them i ask them uh, how, how much pizza i should order per person she and they said well will people have eaten first or is this going to be what they eat i said this is going to be what they, eat. they they said what you need is one pizza for every two people who are at the party right um there were going to be between 60 and 80 people coming to the party mm-hmm. so i ordered somewhere in the region of 25 pizzas right and then some garlic bread and and stuff and dips and whatnot mm-hmm. oh here's something that happened when i called them to make the payment because i mm. did all the sort of uh, organizing via email then i needed to ring them to make the payment they said can i just ask are you are you jeff lloyd from the radio oh and i said yes and they said yeah you wrote a crazy complaint <gasps> email to us a few years ago no. Yeah, yeah. No. They said it is well they didn't they said you didn't you write a, a complaint email to us years ago. That is the stuff of legend in our company. No. So, <laughs> the implication being that it was crazy. And I said to them, "Here's here's the thing about that email. My wife read it and she said you your point you, I mean, you, you, it's uh, irrefutable the point you're making. Yeah. But you look like a mad person because of the length of the email. Right. do you remember. I mean. Yeah, it was very long. It very was like detailed. a novella.
1: It was. It was. It was. It was longer than a. novella. It also
2: included a a, a, a number of suggestions as to how could they they could change their delivery <laughs> system so yeah. that people like me weren't left waiting.
1: Yeah. two and a half hours yeah, yeah. oh wow so it's legendary in their company now yeah so I, bet I, it, I bet it's on a wall
2: so I bet it is what I is bet it, it is but it was just the high of them saying oh you're Jeff Lloyd from the radio I'm thinking oh, yeah I am no, yeah they're no. gonna give me big fat discount and because I must have um, emailed from a work account or something oh god I mean, I never put, I am on the radio, and yeah, yeah, you know, I yeah, never yeah, do anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But I wonder if that's... that's you know, The so. only reason I knew about the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs>
1: so really they were saying, oh, are you Jeff Lloyd? in a really yeah, long uh, mental yeah, email. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, wow. So
2: there was that. Anyway, I mean, let's be honest. It was what... You, we can only really describe as an oppressive amount of pizza.
1: I've been in like very, very large pizza expresses in the centre of London, where they have the kitchen in the middle, and like you, you see a lot of pizza. I, I have never seen so much pizza in one place as I have in that bar. Like it, it was it was stacked up. They were stacked like as tall as me. It felt of pizza. It became. <laughs> it, it became
2: my my wife who was having this significant birthday it was no longer about her that, she was no longer the center of attention pizza. like this oppressive amount of pizza
1: that i mean it was oh. there was a lot of pizza i had two slices That's, and that was and they were big slices so that i i almost had my quota but
2: it it, it was a bit like you know when a shop has a lot of boxes delivered and then but they haven't like put them away yet it mm. looked like that I mean it just mm. looked like this huge you could have had a ship it was like a shipping containers worth of pizza <laughs> they were enormous mm. I mean really I think they uh, I think you you could, three people could have eaten one of those not not two yes. maybe, maybe four I think, maybe, I think a I, I think maybe a family maybe you could have got three pizzas and it would have been a, instead of they like were huge. 30 yeah, yeah 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 so um I mean, at the end of the night, you know, like if you go to a children's birthday party, you get a little bag with a slice of birthday cake Mm -hmm. in it. At Sarah's party, we were giving people an enormous pizza to take (laughs) home for breakfast. (laughs) So, Yeah.
1: Did you get rid of them all? (laughs) I <laughs> did. Oh, good. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah.
2: good. I, see, I thought, oh, God, we're going to have to go to a homeless shelter on the way home, which, mm. you know, would have been a noble thing to do, but I'm not sure it's a very festive thing to do after a birthday party. No, no. But fortunately, we, we managed to get rid of them all. Good. There was a gate crasher. I think he might have had them. Oh, really? I saw it. Did you not see the gate crash no No, no. Oh, because you left about 11-ish and it went yeah. on to midnight. There was a guy came in. He had the look of a Norwegian tourist by me, which, I mean, he looked like he'd just come down from a mountain. <laughs> he was like wearing a ghoul and a woolly hat and he had a very full beard. And, you know, it's a private party, but he was... Just dancing near the pizza and helping himself to But he couldn't
1: it. believe his luck. He yeah. got down from that mountain, starving <laughs> hungry, and there was another mountain of pizza.
2: But if, if, if anybody does need a party organizing. Right, yeah, yeah. Just want to say I don't think that is my mm-hmm. particular talent. Okay.
3: It's coming for you. Definitely <laughs> <Lloyd, laughs> Annabelle Port. Can you believe they just did that? <laughs> a drift.
2: Time to hear from our fellow drifters. If you have a story, share it with us. Hello at adriftpodcast.com.
1: First one is from Laura. Last year, we bought our first house, a lovely Victorian terrace in need of a little TLC, which has meant a stream of workmen visiting to quote for and carry out various works and a wealth of opportunities for awkward interactions. The first memorable one took place when somebody came round to quote for a couple of new windows and some window repairs. First impressions of the guy weren't great. No smile, naught out of 10 for enthusiasm. And I thought we'd scored top customer points so far, approaching them via a compliment on someone else's newly installed windows on the street and placing minimal demands on when they call round. There was no turning back though, so I carried on with the short talk. But he continued to irritate me, memorising things instead of writing it down, so I kept having to repeat myself. Nope, just replacing the units on that one. Yep, both of them, please and I watched as he walked up our carpeted stairs without offering to take his shoes off, although, obviously, I said nothing. As I showed him out of the front door and walked back along the hall, imagine him walking those three or four steps in the opposite direction and thinking I was safe, put my head around the door to the living room and said to my boyfriend, well, that was a waste of time, he's not getting that job, is he? I saw panic on his face straight away, followed his gaze, and saw the man holding a tape measure up to the outside of the front window. Uh. I'm told he did say he was just going to go and measure the front window, so it appears it wasn't only him not listening. he'd <laughs> left, and to try and make me feel like less of an awful person, we did an experiment to see if just maybe <laughs>
2: this, one of
1: us standing outside couldn't hear the other speaking in a normal voice from the living room doorway. We could, though. Oh, oh. God. The second awkward moment was again self-inflicted and could fall into the category of getting carried away. I was standing in silence with a builder in our loft whilst his colleague was crawling in the eaves storage taking measurements. I was relieved when he stepped up to fill the silence with a compliment on how nice the extension was and asking if we did it. Some pleasant chat followed where I explained that no, the previous owners had built it but left some of the finishing off, hence the job they were quoting for, and I proudly pointed out some of our own decorating handiwork. When that exchange had gone well, I continued telling him that the previous owners had moved soon after living through the building work because they already had two small children and another one on the way. His unexpected response was, Oh, well, congratulations. I panicked. And because I didn't correct him straight away and it felt condescending to leave a pause and then correcting, I just smiled. <gasps> Those builders are back in a couple of weeks to do the job. If they've remembered, we'll probably think we're terrible parents for having no stair gates or toys in sight for those toddlers. Thankfully, I'll be out of the way at work. Okay, and one from Anon. In truth, I've got an absolute treasure trove to choose from. Having previously, sorry, having drifted perilously through the seas of social awkwardness through much of my life, it really is a miracle I haven't drowned. But my first week in my new job was particularly galling. After months of job hunting in a new city with my wife and I expecting our first baby, I at last had a breakthrough and got my dream job, working for a reputable company as a sports journalist. I arrived on my first day consumed with the usual dose of drifter nerves, all those new names and faces to remember. I instantly forgot the ball and used the classic mate or pal instead. The pressure of trying to fit in and make friends while not looking desperate, in short, a minefield. A kindly fellow, who I'll call Joe, was assigned with the task of helping me get to grips with the horribly complicated computer system. We got on really well, and I thought maybe, just maybe, this could be the start of a bright new future where I'd be confident, socially competent individual. Oh, how wrong I was. While learning the right way to link social media to my articles, he asked me to log into to Twitter and to find a picture to use as practice. Now, I follow pretty tame things, bands, football clubs, comedians, various politicians, that kind of thing. Then lo and behold, as he said, oh, just click the first one you see. I looked on in horror as I was unable to stop myself clicking on an article that was definitely NSFW. Oh, uh, Not safe for work, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It was about some American TV star called Kristen Cavallari, whose NFL playing husband had apparently been required to, and I quote, suck clear her blocked milk ducks. Joe was taken back. What kind of sick pervert had they hired? Was this just the tip of the iceberg? Did this new guy choose that article to try and suss out a kindred spirit of seediness? I muttered something feeble along the lines of, why on earth is that on my feed? But he'd already made up his mind about me. A disastrous first impression. He hurriedly taught me through the process and swiftly left me to my own clearly troubling devices. Then on Thursday, to crown a tough first week, I hurriedly left my desk at the end of the day after getting a bit of stressful news and managed to walk directly into a solid brick wall a metre or so behind my chair. There's a metaphor to be found in there somewhere, I'm sure. (laughs) Glasses askew, dazed, humiliated, (laughs) and I'm willing to see whether my disastrous exit had been noticed. Definitely had, I'm sure of it. I blundered my way out of the building, eternally grateful at the long Easter weekend for my nightwear meek to be forgotten. (laughs)
2: Please share your story. Hello at adriftpodcast.com.
3: Time for Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port In whichever order that makes sense to you, you are the one perceiving it in the computer simulation. Um, hi.
2: Hamble. Yes. Hamby, Hamby, Hamble. Humble yes. the doll from play school. Um, we're doing this uh, <laughs> ways, in, <laughs> ways in which you're not a, a fully functioning adult.
1: Part 15B. B, of course. It's very important. Yeah, Part 15B, confrontation. Hmm. So I mentioned my upstairs neighbour a few times before. You might remember that he's the one that's got a very strong Greek accent. Yes. Um, And when I first moved in, he complained that I turned my taps on too loudly and that I was very heavy-footed in the hallway. Yes. In many ways, he is the perfect neighbour because he is completely silent. He doesn't watch television, listen to the radio, listen to music, doesn't talk to anyone on the phone. I I really mean that he is completely silent. He does turn the taps on a bit loudly. I'm joking. (laughs) Nobody turns their taps on a bit loudly, apart from me, apparently. But that's all you want from a neighbour, really, isn't it? All you want is complete silence. It makes me
2: worry about what his mental state is
1: well it did it did the thing worried me was that maybe he's silent because he's lying there all day and night with his <laughs> ear to the floor listening to my every move and word and when I thought that I wished I hadn't thought it but yeah it is, it is slightly weird but he is total silent totally silent uh, the way the flats are designed, He's got the back garden, I've got the front garden and he is a very keen gardener. When he's not at work, he's out there doing stuff. So I get to look out onto a lovely back garden, whereas he gets to look out onto my terrible, overgrown, weedy, dog poo covered, satellite (laughs) dish on the ground front garden. He hates me. We've also got a very overgrown front hedge for privacy and so that most people can't see our terrible front garden. And the hedge really annoys him because he did something a few years ago that I'll attempt to describe... The pathway to his flat goes past the side of the building and past my front garden. So he decided to cut the part of the hedge that lines the path to a length that he thought was suitable, but not the whole width of it. He's cut what can only be described as a step into it. The bit closer to the path is about four foot high. Then you've got about a foot of that and then it goes up again to its like, usual seven foot high. It looks very weird. And I have never said a word about it. (laughs) I did catch him trimming it once, about a year after he'd first cut this weird step into the hedge. And he said, oh, uh, yeah, this bit of the hedge is mine. In no way is his. Like, I've not bothered to check the deeds, but I'm pretty sure that half a hedge in my (laughs) garden is not allocated to the upstairs flat. So what I said was this. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I just live with a weird looking hedge. I just can't face any kind of confrontation with him. A few weeks ago, he knocked on my door and he said, Annabelle, you know that tree behind my garden? And I do know that tree because I love it. It's just behind the fence at the end of his garden. And it's huge. Like it towers over the flat and it doesn't block any light. It's just beautiful. And it's amazing to look up at. So I say yes. And he says, I'm worried it's going to fall down and smash into my kitchen. Now I have to say I am not even slightly worried about this as I don't know how old this tree is as I need to cut it down and count the rings in the trunk but it could easily be 200 years old. I don't know at all but it could be and it's been fine all that time and it looks healthy and it isn't tilting. So I suspect this is like my neighbour's fear that our pipes are going to burst and flood our flats so he has an outside tap running at all times to (laughs) alleviate the pressure build-up. Don't worry, I've told the water company. So I suspect this is a very similar fear, he carries on with. So I'm going to write to the council and our MP and ask them to chop it down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm immediately sad about this. I don't want to lose this beautiful tree that's been around for decades. It's not the type of word I'd usually use, but I'd go as far as to say it is majestic. (laughs) And he wants to kill it. And then he finishes his speech with, so will you sign the letter? Sign the letter. That could be the death warrant of the tree. So I say, yeah, sure, of course. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Okay, no problem. Bye. I am totally pathetic. And I'm be- very, very sorry to that tree.
3: Computer sounds are awesome. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port adrift.
2: Got great news. And
1: yes, go on.
2: We've sold out.
1: Sell out, yeah. yeah now I'd
2: love to be a sellout, as in. Forsake all my principles for money, but it's not that kind of sold out, no, is it? No, of course We have not. sold out the first ever Adrift Live show, which is happening in Hebden Bridge on the 29th of June. So if you if you want a ticket, you're going to have to get it from a tout or a scalper. Oh,
1: what's a scalper?
2: Same thing. I think I'm just using, uh, oh, I think it's a cinema okay. for... for, for, for-
1: do you think there's going to be some touts outside i bet if
2: you go online they're selling for thousands you bet bet they're on those resale websites you think yeah okay
1: yeah i won't check now no don't um what
2: about that though isn't that great so please we're just delighted that i mean i'm i'm assuming and i could be wrong but i'm assuming that not everybody who's coming lives in hebden bridge or right by hebden bridge so Mm. it's just amazing to me that people are going to travelled to come to the Drift Live show. Um, I've booked accommodation because I thought, oh, hell, what if the drifters take up all the... No I, oh, no,
1: I haven't. Oh, no. I've booked
2: you accommodation as well. Oh, have yeah, you? Okay, yeah, well, yeah, let me know fine. why yeah. you
1: <laughs> Nothing too fancy, right? <laughs> no, we... <laughs> we can pay for it out of the ticket samples. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't think we'll pay for much else
2: out of the tickets. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, don't worry. It's, okay. it's, we've got that in oh, you're so organised, thank you.
2: Yeah, so uh, we're really excited, and thank you to you if you bought a ticket, and we'll try and do you a good show? Um, mm. So, so, so Perhaps
1: that, start so. thinking about it now, had not we?
2: Yeah, we, yeah, I mean, we are, yeah, we're just letting it percolate, percolate, and then on the morning of the show, <laughs> we can <clears throat> sort <of> solidify <clears throat> uh, what's been percolating. Um, yeah, and it's great, Hebden Bridge is fantastic. As I said last week, I did a, a live show for the other podcast there with mm. Ed Miliband, and I just thought this is a really special place. Now, speaking of which. Another thing that happened at Sarah's birthday party mm. is you and Ed were in the same room for the first time.
1: We met. I met your other radio partner. Well, not radio, podcast. Podcast partner, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it was it was stranger than I imagine it must be for people who have a a husband and uh, a, a somebody they're having an affair with in the, in the room at the same time. Yeah, it was.
1: It was very... Like
2: seeing the two of you together.
1: Oh, right for you. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Talk me through how you felt. Well...
2: You know, nervous. Uh, I didn't want to show any any more favour to one than the other. Didn't you? Mm. Why do you think I did? Maybe no. Didn't. I, th- <laughs> I mean, what I thought was great is I could just left the two of you talking, and I vanished off behind the DJ deck. Oh, you did? Yeah. 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 Just so you know, the music was Sarah's. But it wasn't what I would have yeah, chosen. Yeah. <laughs> I put it together. Yeah, we know, we know. We
1: all know, we all oh know. Oh my
2: God, he was driving me mad though, Ed.
1: What, asking for like, like songs that he wanted? No, asking
2: for the volume to be turned
1: down. Oh yes, I saw him do it. I saw him go over and do like a big hand gesture of like turn the music down. It was yeah. hilarious. And then
2: then I turned it down a bit because Sarah wanted it loud so people could dance if they wanted to. Yeah. And he just wants to talk to everybody all the time. Mm. Um, whereas I could, you know, I know that loud music isn't always great, but one of the great things about it is it means you don't have to engage that much in small talk. Mm.
1: But I did lose my voice halfway through, so it did have a point. Mm. Mm. And then he went, but he went behind the
2: DJ decks, a man who has no knowledge of how to work any of this. He, stuff. Tri- he
1: actually tried to turn him down himself. Yes, you're kidding me. No, I'm not.
2: No, really. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the power of the man. Yeah,
2: but it it was weird because you know that that the chair you're sitting in. Mm. Is it Annabelle's chair or is it Ed's chair? Well, we
1: spoke about that on the... I think we came to the conclusion that it was my chair, his headphones. We, we divvied it up, basically. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: And how, how did you find the experience?
1: Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I really... <laughs> don't, don't, don't lie laughing at me. I loved meeting him. He's so nice. I think he, he, liked, meeting,
2: he liked meeting you as well. He's, mm. he's talked about it for a long time. Really? When can I meet Annabelle? And, of course, beforehand, And I've yeah. tried not to cross the streams. That's been my policy mm. in the past. Don't mm. cross the streams. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah... And there was no talk of you doing a rival podcast,
1: the two of you. We did talk about it extensively, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think it's likely.
2: When
3: you were younger, this show was just getting going. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port with you now in your old age.
2: I don't think I've told you about a male friendship that has blossomed in my life somewhat recently.
1: Okay, tell me now.
2: Because uh, th- that's not something that comes easily to me, as you know. Hmm. So I have this friend, Lehman. Now, as it happens, I've known him for quite a long time because he is the common law husband of a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have uh, a child who is a little bit younger than our son, Gene. Mm-hmm. And since, since now we've got children, we spend more time together, just him and me and the, and the kids okay because we both you know have uh wives common law wife in his case who who are kind of often busy during the day mm-hmm. so we'll we'll take a kiss to a thing or I'll go over to their house and and they'll play and we'll chat and we've become firm friends he's you know firm friends he's a, he's a gentle soul he will talk about his emotions nice and his various uh, mental states of being which I, I like good yeah you know I, doesn't follow football so there's never any awkwardness on my part when I don't know what's going on in the world of football or whatever you know men of a certain type mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. he is also significantly taller than I am which instantly makes me feel as if he's in charge of me <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. but I also feel safe around him <laughs> oh my god he's this looming physical presence right. um i mean i just really I just really like him um he is a big fan of game of thrones so we'll we'll talk about that a lot mm-hmm. um he's he's great the other day he sends me a text message saying we're going to the pub for lunch do you want to come and sarah's around jean's around he his common-law wife is around too as is their child mm-hmm. so i say sure sure we'll we'll go so we go at the pub and um they say, okay, it's going to be six adults and three children. And I'm doing the head count here. I'm thinking, mm. there's one, two of mm. us, and then there's two of you. Mm. And we've got a child each. Mm. There's two children. Mm. And then with horror, yes, I realize mm. that he's suggested to, to some, someone else that they, they should come as well.
1: Some people that you don't know.
2: Ambushed. I've been ambushed. Oh, dear. There are some strangers oh, coming to no. the pub, which gives me terrible anxiety. I think you should always you, you you should these things should always be ad- outlined in advance.
1: Yes, definitely. But I don't.
2: I don't want spontaneity before
1: the asking or what or, d- or during the asking, so you can make an appropriate excuse. Yeah, yeah.
2: If anything, I would like all my social engagements for the year laid out in advance, <laughs> so that I can mentally prepare for. Them okay, and who's exactly going to be there? Mm. I can do background research on what the small talk can be about. I could look them up on Facebook, mm-hmm. try and memorize the children's names, or all, mm. all all the things that would have me feeling not comfortable more comfortable so so firstly there's that the ambush right secondly the, these people arrive and they are just lovely people okay um uh it's a man and a woman and what i feel happens during this lunch is layman who as i've said has become my it's become my blossoming male friendship i i He's not interested in me anymore. Oh. He's interested in this other guy.
1: Oh no! You feel that like he's favouriting him? Yes. Oh no! And do you know
2: what? As well, this guy isn't even up to date with Game of Thrones. Oh. He's, two, <laughs> he's two series behind. What really? Oh dear. So I, ju- I just, I mean, I feel this burning jealousy and the think, what about us? Is that a normal way to feel? I find out in this week's The Incident. <laughs> advice on this, I'd turn to Brett Goldstein, who you'll know as a stand-up comic, actor, and host of the Fantastic Films To Be Buried With podcast.
0: My first question is, did, did your new friend tell you there was going to be another person at this lunch? No, it was an Something ambush! Brett,
2: it was an ambush!
0: Yeah, oh, I hate this guy. Do you think he was parading
2: yeah. this other guy in front of me to make me jealous?
0: Yeah, it totally was. Like, and also, what kind of a new late-in-life friend is it who's like Come on we've got a mandate on Sunday, and they're like oh i didn't mention there's other men on this day excuse me who who is your best friend uh, i've got uh, Paul and rich Can I have two do they have
2: a relationship independent of you
0: y- well we're like a three we're like a threes up to be fair, but we did go to school together and we're like we we're, we're like old school friends
2: My mum would say to me, don't play in threes, so do, do you not because you know there's always one who, it's like an inverted pyramid and there's two at the top of the pyramid and then there's one person who gets left out.
0: Right. I wonder what happened to your mum. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you don't worry about that with, did you say, Paul and Rick?
0: No, Paul and Rick, we're, we're all right. But I mean, yeah, I don't love it when they hang out without me, which, you know, occasionally, but occasionally I'll hang out with just Paul and I'm just Rich. Like, we do split off into factions occasionally. But...
2: And do you run your mouth about the other one when you're...
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, always, yeah. yeah, don't you do that with whoever you're with? Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it's, my,
2: it's my main way of bonding with people. <laughs> yeah. So, um, d- do you think I should try and undermine the, the the this guy's friendship with the other guy?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. I think you should start pointing out things that are bad about his other friend, and suggesting what you look for in a in a man, and how that guy doesn't have any of those qualities. <laughs> That and, would be my suggestion,
2: and and the reason I wanted to ask you specifically about this because I felt like we, um, we we were on the verge of having a, a nice late in life friendship yeah. ourselves, and then it kind of stalled.
0: Well, it's only still due to circumstances and time, but I I I feel as strongly about you as I did the first time we actually talked. Like my feelings haven't dimmed; it's just been circumstances and time has kept us apart. In a way, it's a very tragic romance. <laughs> Um I don't know how you feel. I still feel. I'm still bang into it. Well, I've I've been, we quite it.
2: I've been quite paranoid. I've been quite paranoid. Oh, really? I've been quite paranoid that you asked me to go on your podcast, and then when you realised that you right. could get really good people on your podcast, <laughs> that it has created an awkwardness, and you thought, well, <laughs> you know, I can't just be friends with Jeff Hang because there'll be second. this whole podcast Is thing this, hanging over.
0: This whole thing, really. To, to get back on the podcast no to no I've, I've i've made my peace with that i've made my peace with that and I'm, I'm
2: i'm offering you an unconditional friendship uh, with the understanding that if you have a more high profile guest for the podcast <laughs> then then that's fine by me
0: listen our, our friendship is entirely conditional on you doing my podcast do so. you think
2: paul and rich would be interested in spending time with me in your absence
0: i don't like that idea at all <laughs> <laughs> it makes, it, it makes me it angry sort of the thought of Paul and Rich hanging out with with you like you being friends with my friends like a friends dealer <gasps> no I'm not happy with that hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news?
3: Annabelle Port If you get close enough you can taste the freshness
2: I've said before that we we, uh, record the podcast in my loft Mm. and there's a little toilet up here Mm -hmm. now I tend to only ever use that loo when we're doing the podcast because I'm not up here very often Mm -hmm. Uh, and especially if I need to go for a sit down I'll, I'll do it downstairs okay? because it's just closer and I'm too lazy to come all the way up here. Mm. Uh, so in, in other words, what I'm doing here is washing my hands of something I'm about to talk about. Okay. Sarah's best friend Maggie has been staying here for a few days mm-hmm. so the room we're in now has a sofa bed in it and this is where she's been sleeping. Mm. So she's been using that loo. Mm. Have you been to that loo today?
1: No, I haven't, no. You know when you go
2: for a sit down mm-hmm. and as... <laughs> As as the waste is exiting your body, okay. it can sometimes touch the sides and, you know, leave.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. Don't carry on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: So I noticed there's a little bit of that going on the, on the bowl <laughs> of the toilet. I can't believe
1: we're talking about this. So you're, you're basically accusing your wife's best friend of leaving a mark on the toilet bowl.
2: Yeah. Now, here's the thing. The downstairs toilet, or the one on, you know, where our bedroom is... Um, there's a toilet brush in there. Hmm. There isn't a toilet brush in here. Mm-hmm. Just use now, toilet paper. Well, I feel that you should be getting in there with some toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think maybe some people just think, well, not my problem if they haven't left a brush.
1: Oh, I don't own a toilet brush, so I would expect the toilet paper situation. Sarah
2: thinks a toilet brush is a disgusting object. I
1: agree. I think it's revolting.
2: Do you not think it's more revolting wrapping toilet paper around your hand and getting in there? Nope.
1: Okay. Because at least then I can wash my hand. The toilet brush is always there. I'm not going to wash it, are you? Do you wash it? Does anyone wash
2: it? You just sort of swish it around. <laughs>
1: oh, you wash it in the toilet? I,
2: okay, just it. <laughs> you flush the toilet first. Right. And then, then give it a bit of a swish around in the bleachy water. Oh, God.
1: No? Oh, God. I don't know. So what are you going to do about this little mark then? <laughs> just leave it there? Well, no,
2: I mean, this is the point. I'm going to have to get in there, right? <laughs> but then again, because it's Sarah's friend, mm. maybe I should just mention
1: it to her. Why don't you Skype call her friend and show it to her? <laughs> <laughs> you would that be weird? Yeah,
2: I t- you don't think I can say to Sarah, "Look, if my friend had done that, mm-hmm. I'd, it would be my responsibility to get in there."
1: Yeah, yeah. I, no, I think you're quite within your rights to ask her to do it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay.
2: Um, well, there's a little quandary solved. This is this mm. bit is be- sometimes like my own little quandary <laughs> corner. Um, here's one for Sarah. So. She, some people brought presents to her birthday, even though she wrote no gifts, please on the Did she? I didn't see that. Yeah. Mm. I think she used a very small font. I think
1: she must have done it so yeah. small that it was invisible yeah, yeah, to the yeah. naked eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think she did.
2: Did she? I think she said oh, okay. she did, yeah. Okay. Um anyway, so she got some lovely presents. Hmm. Uh two of them didn't have tags. Oh. Now one of them. She's done some detective work and, and figured it out. What she should she do about the remaining gift that didn't have a tag on it? So, Given that, like, so about half the people obeyed the no gifts please yeah. rule. Mm-hmm. And then half the people flouted it. Yeah.
1: I can speak from experience here and tell you what I did actually do in this experience like eight, nine years ago, because mm. it happened to me at my wedding. There was a gift of some champagne glasses. No, no tag. No idea who sent them, gave them. So what we did was this. Nothing. Wow. I just did nothing. You
2: still don't know to this I day. Still don't
1: know who gave them to us. They were from me. Actually. <laughs> can I have some credit please? <laughs> but I don't honestly don't know what else you can do. What else do you do? I don't know. I don't there, know. Is, there is nothing you can do. Because
2: if you send out an email, you're kind of showing up the people who didn't bring yeah, presents.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you thought you didn't want presents. Oh, this yeah. is embarrassing. I didn't yeah. get you one. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Okay. Good advice. Yep.
3: When you stop thinking, your mind begins to start loving Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port.
2: That's it. That's it. Well, those were, uh, those were my quandaries. On to yours in this week's Quandary Corner in, the, in Problem Attic at the Glap Clinic.
1: First one's from Liz. It's rather urgent and creating endless debate amongst my close friends and me and my husband, with no one able to come up with a concrete solution. Well, I'm sure we'll be able to, for sure. I will explain. My husband and I plan to have a big party at our place. We don't do this often, but we thought it'd be nice to have a good old knees up before summer, invite a cl- mix of close friends... Not so close friends, colleagues, and a few neighbours that we actually like. We will have the party outside in our garden with catering, and a friend has offered to bring her karaoke machine. You, d- you don't need catering, you can order pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, if you're free, you're welcome to come, but not with pizza. Herein lies the problem. We don't want to invite all our neighbours, just a select few that we honestly like and count as friends. Quite frankly, we have some neighbours who are just annoying busybodies, and I'd rather stick a fork in my eye than spend an (laughs) evening drinking with them. But I know as soon as we start making noise after 10pm, the police will be called and we will be totally shut down. I live in Switzerland where calling the police for noise is a national pastime. (laughs) My view is, once the police are called, we will tone it down or bring the party inside or just ignore the complaints. At the very most, we could slip a little note in people's mailboxes explaining our party and sorry in advance for the noise. But my friends and husband are suggesting that we should take each neighbour a bottle of wine with a card and actually speak to them and tell them about the upcoming party. The drifter in me blanches at the thought of having these unnecessary additional interactions and also giving the clear message to each neighbour. You are clearly not invited to this party, although other neighbours you know are invited. It makes me squirm. Another friend went so far as to suggest we go to speak to local police and inform them that there will be noise on such a date. These suggestions are just too much hassle as far as I'm concerned. I would rather run away from the problem or even possibly cancel the party rather than have these additional social interactions. So stressful. What would you do? Any advice? Greatly appreciated. (sighs) The whole neighbour thing is difficult because if you've got friends that are neighbours, you want to invite them. But should you invite everybody? Mm, mm,
2: it's, it's difficult. But it's
1: often the solution. People invite everybody. But yeah, you don't want to talk to them. Yeah. So I understand why that's not an I option. I think the bottle
2: of wine thing sounds smart. It's just the interaction. Can you not... I mean, it's Switzerland. Isn't it crime-free? Isn't it like yeah. this utopia? Can't you just leave the bottle of the wine and the note you were going to leave? On the doorstep. On the doorstep. Yeah. Is that a way of doing it? Yeah,
1: yeah. Because that keeps them happy. Hopefully stops them calling the police, and there's no interaction.
2: Yeah, I mean that that sounds like the way to do it. To I me. feel there
1: must be a reason why she hasn't thought of that. There must be that must not be an option. Hmm.
2: Maybe just culturally, like people aren't used to having bottles left on doorsteps in Switzerland because we have a culture of the milkman, <laughs> <laughs> and over yeah. hundreds of years, um,
1: I, I, yeah. So. I'd cancel the party, to be honest. Yeah. It's just too much stress.
2: Yeah, just go to karaoke on your own. Yeah, yeah. Like I do. Okay.
1: Right, next one is from Anon. I joined a new workplace and I'm still getting to know everyone and the office protocols. There are a lot of events going on that have refreshments, so there is often leftover food to share in the common fridge. I'm someone who prefers to make their own coffee at home, but occasionally when I'm tired or forget, I go ahead and grab a cup at work. I like cream in my coffee and I hate the provided fake creamer stuff. I was so delighted one day to see a whole bottle of cream in the common fridge, presumably left over from an event with the coffee labelled share. S H A R E like Shares.
2: Right, not like Share uh, the no, star.
1: No, just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> Yay, I helped myself to a bit and continued to do so in the next few weeks. I noticed it was going off and past the expiry date, and fearing feeling very altruistic, I dumped the cream, rinsed and recycled the container. A few days later, another bottle of cream appeared. Fantastic, I thought. This time it had share written on it multiple times in different locations with exclamation points. I continued to use it happily for my afternoon pick me ups. It wasn't until a few days ago that I walked through a doorway I don't normally pass through and noticed a name on the office door. The last name, Cher. Oh, no. S-H-A-R-E. Oh, no. I have been regularly consuming someone else's foodstuffs and our recycling isn't picked up daily. So she must also have seen the container (laughs) I tossed out. At first, I was mortified. I wanted to tell her and apologise and offer to buy her a bottle of cream. And then I moved to MIFT. If your last name was a verb that could easily be confusing <laughs> in this situation, why would you not include your first name or at least an initial? I am not the crazy one to have used a thing in a common fridge, in which there are often various treats for public consumption, that was explicitly labelled to do so. The cream is still there. What should I do? Apologize? Create a new label? Shares, not shared. <laughs> Something else? Please help.
2: Oh, oh God. I mean that. Would be a brilliant bit of pas- passive aggression, Wouldn't changing it? it to shares. Yeah, <laughs> Apostrophe S. yeah. Apostrophe, right. yeah.
1: I honestly think you've answered it so nicely there. There's yeah. nothing more that we can add.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We'll leave it, we'll leave it there. That's so good. <laughs> Well, that was our podcast. I enjoyed that this week. Um, I never know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But but we had a nice time. Um, Annabelle's only got a couple of minutes left on her parking voucher. Mm. So thanks to all the people that we usually thank. Email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And I just want to finish by saying, suck clear my blocked milk (laughs) ducts.
3: I drift.
2: Podication. Do you sometimes sing podication what you need if you want to be a record breaker? Yeah, some years ago you did that. was did a little that. phase I went through, wasn't it? Hmm. It's all phases, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, this comes from the Colonel, Colonel uh, Jimmy Crowell, who says, Crowell. Uh, Dear Jeff and Annabelle, I am writing this in a coffee shop in Vegas the morning after I eloped with my wonderful husband, Alan. Hello, Alan. Um, What better way to celebrate our marriage than with a publication from our favourite podcast? Congratulations, Yes, congratulations.
1: That's wonderful.
2: Uh, The wedding was great, even with the awkward moments of Elvis putting the microphone in my face and expecting me to sing the next line (laughs) to a song I didn't know. And uh, not knowing how and uh, who to tip and what amount. Saying that, I wouldn't change a thing. That's a big thing about going to the States, isn't it? All that tipping stuff. There's yeah, a lot of anxiety around A that. lot, yeah. In fact, that would be a good topic.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Alan and I have been together for 11 years now. In the early days of our relationship, he would drive me home from uni where I was introduced to the Drive Time show. Alan would tell me stories of Drunk versus Stoned and Will It Flush. <laughs> um, he got me... Will It Flush was great. Uh that's for drunk versus stoned in its way. In its
1: way, yeah, <laughs> tainted for me slightly. I
2: know, I know. I met somebody the other day who who rang up for drunk versus stoned mm. and then hung up on you, and then you rang them back and you were a bit shirty with them. Because oh. <laughs> yeah. that would often happen. Mm. You'd get the callers lined up and then uh, they would drop off during the record. that would be
1: really annoying. Yeah, no yeah? yeah, so yeah. wonder I was shirty. Wait, where, where did you go? Yeah. Do you want to come on or not?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, He got me listening to podcasts. You guys have been a constant throughout our relationship. Uh, The first time we went to London together, Alan took me on a detour so we could walk past the radio station. I'm sure I made him take a picture of me outside the door, but it's lost on a previous phone. Mm. For our 10th anniversary, Alan gave me a signed copy of Annabelle's book, which is one of the best presents I've ever received. Oh, lovely. Uh, Only beaten beaten by the ginger spice doll he bought for me years before. Fair enough. uh, My parents refused to buy it in the
1: 90s. That is so thoughtful. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah
2: um i keep the book next to my signed copies of books from kathleen turner and girls allow oh i'm honored yeah even after 11 years we still talk about each episode and we're loving the stories from our fellow drifters uh so i would love a dedication for my wonderful husband alan and thank him for making me the happiest i have ever been what a great publication. lovely i mean i guess maybe i'm just responding so positively because I'll- you know, we've been a part of that relationship. Yeah. Which is perhaps a bit narcissistic. Actually, but <laughs> I mean, the thoughtfulness of the ginger spice. That's like the sort of thing you would do. Really? Yeah, that's how mm. thoughtful you are as a gift mm. giver, I think. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then this one comes from Millicent Parker, who says, Dear Jeff and Annabelle, I don't know if you remember me, but my friend Sophie requested podication for me and my husband Wayne a little while ago, and Jeff said his name. In a very odd manner. What was I up to? Wayne. Why,
1: Wayne I said, why Wayne, were you saying it weird? Wayne, so you're doing it again now. So it, it's Wayne. easy to believe, actually, even though I don't quite remember. <laughs> I don't remember. know if that was what I was doing. Mm.
2: Wayne. Wayne. I don't know what.
1: Mm. Swinging a bell.
2: Um, I'd like to request a pod- podication for my new baby girl. Congratulations. Lily Rose Rowena Penelope Parker. Oh, such a good name. <sighs> quite a big name for such a little bundle. She's eight weeks old now and completely and utterly gorgeous. Oh, congratulations. Hopefully I won't pass on my social awkwardness and she'll listen to a drift and wonder what everyone is on about, but it'd be lovely to have a publication to play back to her. Anyway, thank you very much and keep up the... uh, Have you crossed out good or is she? I I did, yeah. That's good (laughs) work. Uh, Millicent Parker, nay Brimacombe. I know, I've, I've remembered emails from you before. She yep. have a very memorable name, and this is mm. a great development. Yes, Little Lily Rose. This is wonderful news. Eight weeks old, those first eight weeks, Annabelle. Well, she's a bit
1: older now because this is from a few months ago. But yes, I, let's, let's none of us think about the first eight weeks cause I'm sure Millicent isn't thinking about it. Well, I'm sure Millicent <laughs> doesn't even remember sending this. No, no you mean,
2: your, your memory does something to protect yeah, you,
1: doesn't it? Yeah, I bet, I bet you doesn't remember. It's going to be a terrible shock. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise, I mean. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Uh, uh, Podication from Millicent to Lily Rose. Is it Millicent or just Millicent and Wayne? No. Uh, to, to Lily Rose. And, uh, and also from Colonel Jimmy Kroll to Alan. Hello, Alan. And uh, there you go. If you'd like a podcast, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com.
0: Even when we're on a
1: budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere
2: sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,